Oh shit! You are now tuned in to the hottest sports podcast on the internet, Up in Flames, brought to you by your boy, Mo Murphy. This is where you will hear some of the hottest takes in the most raw and uncut fashion, baby. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Mo. Back with another episode of Up in Flames. I'm excited about this one. Today, we got my man Corey Harrison from the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast as a special guest today. So, Corey, say what's up to everybody. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me, Mo. Yes, sir. So, you know, we're going to get straight into things. Um, But first things first, Corey, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, some of your favorite teams, what made you start doing the podcast, um, why you enjoy doing it, what your future plans are for your podcast. Kind of just let us in on a, a get-to-know-you and get-to-know-your-podcast and things like that. So um, I started really formulating the idea for my podcast because um, every day throughout my commute to work, I would listen to all kinds of different sports podcasts. And um, some of them would be, like, really flawed. I mean, I'm not an expert or anything like that, but they would – be uh, inaccurate sometimes like some information i would uh, know for a fact that wasn't true and that information was getting put out there um, by you know people that were experts in the field and and sometimes i didn't agree with certain things so i was like you know what i could probably start my own podcast one day but with the demands of my work schedule now i work like 44 hours a week uh, sometimes it could be extended sometimes i work at a gym so um you know, I never had the time to do it. So then we had to shelter in place um, water in Texas. And I was uh, just sitting around um, playing the games, you know, playing 2K every day, um, not really doing too much, re- really inactive. I would, you know, go outside here and there and run. Um, but then I just dawned on me. I said, I should start my podcast. That's I've been putting it off. I should try to start a podcast. I said, man, dang, I don't have the equipment to do it. I don't have a microphone. Now, uh, I don't have all the stuff to, to, to make a podcast. And I was like, I started looking it up. I said, well, you really don't need all you have to have is your phone, um, your computer, and you can start a podcast. So I started looking it up and start, you know, really start formulating. Me and my cousin was supposed to do it together, but he did one first show with me and he didn't get back on anymore. And I was discouraged because it was supposed to be a joint show where we kind of look up different topics, feed off of each other. And he didn't get back on anymore. So I was like, I can't do it by myself. I, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do it by myself. So I stepped out on faith and did one episode by myself. And I hated it. And then I started getting guests. I said, okay, I'm good at interviewing guests. So that's my that's my lane. So I can finally um, reach out to certain people and try to feed off of you know them ask them questions, they give me answers, and then that'll be my show. And so then my cousin got back on again. So I said, okay, maybe he's back on track now. So then he fell off again. Then I just started trying to do more shows. The more I got more confident, the better the quality shows, the more guests started showing up. Um, I started my podcast on a very significant day, uh, March the 30th. It was my son's uh, my oldest son's birthday, so I always remember that day uh, when I actually started the podcast. 
that's what's up, man. Um, I feel the same way. So as far as you know, I can relate. As far as man, I was afraid to, you know, what I'm saying, jump out on the limb. I love talking sports, things like that. And then you know, like doing a show by yourself is like it's kind of it's scary, it's tough. Like just because you feel like you talking to yourself, and it's kind of tough to have that energy and all that while talking to yourself instead of feeding off of somebody else. So I definitely feel that. But you know, from the first episode that I've heard of yours. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's nothing but progress. It, each one gets better. You got a lot of guests, man. You got a lot of people. I see you got a lot of connections. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you really doing it, man. Talking to a lot of people. I see you got your little Lakers. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I seen your last one with your little Lakers group, man. So that that's what's up, man. Um, Y'all definitely go check out the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. You'll get his contact information and how to follow him and everything like that towards the end. But it's, it's a great podcast. If y'all like mine, y'all will love his. But, um... I appreciate the, the you know the the mini intro and so basically let's um let's get straight into it. So the Last Dance documentary um is finally completed. Five week documentary. Me personally, probably the best sports documentary, arguably the best documentary um I've ever watched. Probably will ever watch. I don't know if one will top that. But I want to go ahead and ask you um what were your thoughts after that last episode like? What were your thoughts on the overall, the 10 episodes? Um, just, you know what I'm saying? Just give me what, what all your final thoughts after after the five week of the, the, the last dance. Yeah, just give me your last thoughts, your final thoughts, everything that you thought about the five weeks. And after it completed, it was a lot to process. So it's kind of hard to narrow it down, but I'm going to try to do my best. Um as everybody know, I'm a I'm a I'm a big time Kobe Bryant fan. That's that's my guy, and and I kind of like grew apart from Michael Jordan from when I was a, a kid because I was watch, you know, games, but I was really young at the time. And I think the last uh, during the last dance season, I was 11 years old, and I do remember um, the 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 game against Utah. When he hit the uh, the famous shot, when he pushed off Brown Russell, I remember that like live. Um, so, a lot of the things that was covered in the Last Dance was kind of like an introductory, you know, like if you haven't really never um, been introduced to Michael Jordan, like if you didn't really know uh, the ins and outs of Michael Jordan, you got like a crash course um, with the documentary. Um, we already knew it was going to be a Michael Jordan-centric documentary. It wasn't really um, so much about the team. It was more so about, you know, Michael Jordan. It was a Jordan documentary. Um, I, I, I didn't like that. I kind of wanted to know more about more teammates, more of the, uh, you know, the, the culture and things like that. But um, they was more centered on Michael Jordan, which, you know, rightfully so. He was the star of the team. Um, he was... Um, larger than life figure. I really enjoyed it. So even though, despite despite my um, you know some of the disdain that I've had over the years about Michael Jordan, um, I did enjoy it. Um, final thoughts about the last episode. Kind of fast forward to that. Um, he really wanted to win the seventh championship. Yeah, you know um, that was uh, I didn't I didn't know that. Um, and Jerry Krause wasn't the culprit. Bill Jackson was. Um, 
he 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 in a sense I feel like he um betrayed Michael Jordan because I feel like and it's just me I feel like he had a some kind of deal with the Lakers where let me just take a, a year off and then you know, I'll come back and, and I'll coach your, your team. And then they had Kobe and Shaq and the rest was history. But then you have Michael Jordan, you know, at that time he was still in his prime. So he wasted three years of his prime and then he comes out of retirement for Washington, but they didn't cover that. Of course they weren't going to cover that in, in this <laughs> documentary, but his prime was pretty much wasted. And I feel like they could have probably defended their title in 99 if they would have had everyone sign a one-year deal. I think uh, Jordan was uh, due to make another $30 million that year. Um, if they could have just basically tried to, you know, get Dennis to sign a one-year, uh, I don't know if they would have got Scotty on a one-year because he was pretty much done. Um, and they was due to get paid. I think when he signed with Houston, um, I think he did a five-year, 60-mil deal with them. Um, also, uh, Steve Kerr, he had signed with uh, the Spurs at that time. And I think he signed for like three million, three four million. Luke Longley signed with the Phoenix Suns. He got a, a nice little payday. So it's been kind of hard to convince them at that juncture to try to go for another championship um, with not much of an incentive as far as like money-wise. At that point, I've already won championships. Um, people know who I am. Now it's time to work on, you know, setting my family up for success as far as like financially. Yeah, mo most definitely. Thoughts on that. Yeah, so um, kind of to piggyback off you and, and kind of my thoughts, so... With you saying that um, it was all Jordan-centric, which is great. I mean, you know, Jordan was basically the the head honcho. Jordan was the worldwide brand. And like you said, I would like to have gotten to know a little more about Scottie Pippen. Um, I'm actually glad, like, we're doing this today instead of, like, covering it Monday. Because some more things have come out since then. You know what I mean? So, like, with Horace Grant coming out and saying, like, you know, that... Some of the things that Jordan said, uh, he twisted it a little bit and he basically told his truth and not like the truth. You know what I'm saying? And with him, um, with Jordan, actually, his best friends were the producers of it. So he got to control the content and a guy like Horace Grant didn't appreciate it. Um, reports as of today was coming out that Scottie Pippen was really pissed about how he was portrayed as a teammate. And like he's upset with the documentary and he's upset with Jordan. Which is rightfully so. Uh, one of the appreciations of the documentary that I do like is like, I didn't grow up watching Jordan. You know what I'm saying? I was born in 95. So I was born in the middle of the three-peat. You know, the, the first year of the second three-peat. I was born. He so, might have been playing baseball. <laughs> yeah, like when I was born, you know what I'm saying? It was about to be the start of the season. They probably was just getting eliminated from the playoffs at the time. You know what I'm saying? When he decided to come back and then the beginning of that uh, next three-peat. So, you know, it kind of got me like, I'm a guy who thinks LeBron is the GOAT, regardless. And you know what I'm saying? And I argue that to this day. And this documentary didn't change my mind about that. But it did make me realize, like, man, I really like, man, the Bulls was everything the NBA needed. Like, there's a lot of stars now. 
There's a lot of superstars. There's a lot of guys with their own brand. Um, you know, before the late great Kobe Bryant passed away, he was a play. He had his own brand. You know what I'm saying? He was a superstar. He didn't carry the NBA because there were other multiple superstars, but it kind of, I feel like the torch was passed from Jordan to Kobe to LeBron as far as best player in the league, face of the NBA. Um, so I do believe that, you know, and as far as the go argument, instead of doing the go to argument, I do like the Jordan of the 90s, Kobe of the 2000s, LeBron of the 2010s. I can rock with that the best of their era because um, it's just respect to the greats, but the, the Bulls was, was the 90s. Like, they were the NBA. Like, the NBA was on its downfall. Jordan was the NBA because without Jordan, um, what was it after that three-peat? Jordan left. The ratings went down 50%. Like, can you imagine, like, right now the NBA has a great year? And, like, let's just say after Kobe left, the ratings would have went down 50% and just half the people in the world stopped watching basketball. Like, because the Bulls made it worldwide because of Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? And, and Jordan kind of set the tone for guys like Kobe, you know, LeBron, who guys who have that brand in China, you know what I'm saying, and things like that. Like, Jordan set that tone, and when he retired them two years in between the three-peats, it was crazy to me that, like, man, the first year it went down by 50%. Like, that was crazy to me. Jordan is a worldwide brand, you know, and he was the NBA at the time. It was almost like people were only watching the Bulls, and people were only watching basketball because of the Bulls. So that was pretty dope to me, just how dope the the Bulls were. You know, I think it for me it made me like, damn, Scottie Pippen was a lot better than I feel like people give credit for. Um, that was another thing for me was like because of some of these arguments of some of these players when we start talking about players' greatness, I feel like they don't give enough credit to some of Jordan's teammates. But we got to see some of their moments. Now I didn't focus on them as people, but we got to see some of their moments. Luke Longley's moment, you know what I'm saying? When when Jordan was getting double teamed and Phil told him, if you start passing the ball, it's going to work. His moment, um, actually that was John Paxson, my fault, not Luke Longley. Steve Kerr's moment, you know what I'm saying? Scottie Pippen being Robin to uh, Jordan being Batman. Like Dennis Rodman being the, the villain, but at the same time, that third piece, the guy they needed. You know, so it got to see, like, to me, I got to appreciate everybody else's greatness. And it showed that Jordan never carried that Bulls team to a championship. I don't think there was not one chip where he carried them. Was he the best player on the team? Best player on the floor? Yes. But I don't feel like after watching this documentary, he ever, he carried that Bulls team to a championship. After he retired, what, they had the second best record in the Eastern Conference, still won over 55 games, still went to the Eastern Conference Finals and lost. So, you know what I'm saying? I, I just... But, man, the documentary was dope, man. It's so much stuff that I could say that I appreciated, that I learned. So, um, man, it's, just, it's so much to cover. Like, I don't even know what direction to go. Like, um, what do you think about how people are viewing Scottie Pippen now? Like, what, what do you think how people are viewing Scottie Pippen? Do you think they're wrong or do you think he got wrong in the documentary? Well, it's a variety of different things. Um depend on who you speak to about uh, how they feel about it. Um, but I can see why Scotty's mad or upset um, because it, it uh, made him look like a quitter. Um, during a crucial uh, time that they possibly could have won the, or could have gotten to the finals um, without Michael Jordan. But we would never know because 
you know, you could just tell like how Mike, how Michael's leadership was between Scotty's leadership. And I feel like they didn't, I mean, it was a successful season, but I just don't think that Scotty was that, you know, that type of alpha like Michael was. Um, I do think that both of them were needed during that time. I think both of them needed each other to win a championship. But I, I just feel like, like you said, Scotty didn't get his just due um, during that time. Now it's starting to come out that he, he was a very, very integral piece to those six championships. Yeah, most definitely like that. And that's one thing I do like is just, you know, that we get a, a little appreciation of some of these other players. Um, speaking of like Scotty quitting, like that was the thing that Horace Grant got into was like, um, I feel like that was irrelevant to put in there because like you said earlier, you, you mentioned that it was very Jordan centric. So like to take such a strong account, I feel like it was taking a shot at Scotty when it's so Jordan centric, but then now you know, later on, we want to focus on the two years without him. And I think it was more of like a build Jordan up. Like, I left, they don't win championships. I come back, they win championships. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel it was more to have that narrative from people like us. Like, you know, like I said, I was a kid. And I feel like, um, I feel like part of it was to wake this generation up. Um, So, for him to like kind of have that in there. It didn't have much to me, honestly, to do with the last dance. I mean, the last dance was solely really based on that last championship season. Obviously, to have a dope documentary, we wanted to see the buildup of Jordan and, you know, from his days from when he was born, basically. I mean, they didn't go over his childhood too, too much, but the making of Jordan from high school to college to the NBA to his his uh, trials and tribulations in the beginning of his um, NBA career, not going to finals, not winning playoff series, things like that, his his stout with the bad boys Pistons and his struggles with the you know that team and things like that which reignited his Isaiah Thomas beef but um so I just think that I just think the whole thing was dope but let me ask you a question um it's the thing that was asked probably the time that it got decided that he was going to release this documentary do you think Jordan released the documentary based off the threat to his throne Absolutely. Okay. I mean, the, the time that he released it, um, and I think I know where you're going with this, is uh, I think when Cleveland won that championship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, like right now, the the, the young people um, of this generation is kind of controlling the narrative. And you can kind of tell, like, by generation, um, it's carried on. Um, by um, the younger generation. And right now, a lot of younger generations are more gravitated towards LeBron because he's relevant. Um, you know, people admire, you know, Kobe. Um, you know, as, and as progressive, you know, it progresses on, it's going to be somebody else. Um, and Jordan kind of like released this documentary, okay, like, okay, y'all talk about this person. Let's just end this GOAT debate right now and just release this, this documentary because he had ample time uh, to release this documentary, they kept asking him, you know, even when he was, at, you know, with the Washington Wizards, you know, they asked him, said just not the right time. He um, stepped down, became a player, and he retired again, and he still said it wasn't the right time. 
I mean, you wait, you know, 20 plus years later and strategically, you know, start planning on releasing it during that time. I mean, it's obvious that um, he feel like, I don't feel like he think it was threatened, but really just making everyone aware that, like, don't make this mistake again. Like, he's ultimate petty. Like, you can just tell, like, during the documentary, then some of the player interviews, you know, some of the things that he used to uh, motivate him uh, to push through games. Um, and little small, little small things, like the, the handshake with George Carl, um, the made-up story about the LeBrafis Smith story. Um, you know, just little, little different things to kind of, like, push his edge. Um, the the 97 MVP vote of Carl uh, Malone, you know, little small stuff like that. So um, he just, that's just how he is. He's just petty like that. So he saw, you know, that championship and like, you know what? I'm ready to release it now. Like, I'm tired of this. Yeah. A I... lot of people uh, will uh, be like, man, I didn't know Jordan was this good. Or, you know, the young people are, you know, clamoring about how good Michael Jordan was. And now he's back in the front row. Like, nobody... Um, I haven't heard anyone really say anything that Jordan was, uh, you know, second or anything like that. Everybody's saying he's a GOAT, and I'm like, man, like, they just reignite this GOAT conversation. Yeah, most definitely, and um, I fully agree with you. I think it was one of those, like, Jordan was waiting for the right time, even though I think Jordan's time that he was waiting for, I think was Kobe. Like, I think his play, like, man, it's not the right time, it's the right time. Because I think part of him, back when he first retired for good after the Washington Wizards, was like, man, if there's a dude that reminds me of me, it was Kobe. So part of me thinks that, you know what I'm saying, Kobe, you know, it was a fear of Kobe. And I'll release it later when if people start saying Kobe is better than me, Kobe is over me. You know, this new generation... He's retired, you know, Jordan almost, you know, Jordan 40, 41 years old. So this next generation is kind of like Kobe fans. And if people start thinking that Kobe is better than me, uh, boom, I'm going to slap it here. Y'all must have forgot. And now, you know, the conversation between LeBron and Jordan really got like, where does this solidify him in the GOAT conversation when he won that championship in Cleveland? You know, he won a championship, multiple championships in Miami and and he brought one home to Cleveland and to me that was a big check mark on LeBron's legacy I'm not gonna say you know that's what made him why I thought he was the greatest player of all time or anything like that but that was a check mark on his legacy like that was one of the biggest championships for anybody just he brought a championship to Cleveland like he brought a championship to home you know what I'm saying so I think Jordan was like all right yep like you said enough is enough y'all must have forgot this new generation ain't seen me play. Y'all growing up on Kobe and LeBron. You know what I'm saying? And I do think at some point, if it wasn't for the tragic passing of Kobe, even though Jordan loved Kobe, you mentioned it. He was so petty. And people would say, like, Kobe was the closest thing to Jordan, which is not off. That is probably the most accurate statement of comp of any comparison of any basketball players. Like, the only guy to compare to Jordan specifically is Kobe because they were one in the same. It was, I mean, you almost think like Jordan retired to be Kobe. You know what I'm saying? Like Kobe was Jordan reincarnated. Um, so, but I do think there might've been some shots here or there if it wasn't such a touchy subject, even though Kobe praised them, 
in the documentary, you know what I'm saying, since he passed, like, I think some of these interviews were done as of recent also, they started making it in 2016, but I think, you know, or maybe there was some shade thrown in an interview, and he threw that out, nah, because I still think he would have made it, like, even Kobe couldn't compare to me, you know, he kind of touched on it when Kobe was young, as far as, like, he had to let Kobe know who he was, like, because Kobe was the next guy coming, and he had to let him know in that all-star game, like, it was straight competitive to let the young blood know, you know what I'm saying, it was, talking great they were praising him in the locker room in that all-star game and you know I feel like he had that mentality I got to let this young blood know I'm still the man and I think he would have found a way if it wasn't such a tragic accident what happened to Kobe to throw that in the documentary you know what I'm saying so but I do agree with you I definitely do think that it was one of those like I'm gonna slap this on the table y'all must have forgot and like you said it reignited the GOAT conversation um but me personally that's that's a that's enough of the last dance only because you're a huge Cowboys fan. And it's been some huge news coming out that Cowboys locker room. And I want to ask you first. I don't even I haven't put a take on it on my podcast or anything like that. I want to hear the words from you first. Dak in this contract situation. We offer him 5 years, 175 million dollars. What do you think about it? I, I want to hear you get to tell up in flames in the world first what you think about it before I even get my take on it. What you think? That fifth-year option is a problem. He wanted four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in the long run, um, right now, with under that tag, he's going to be the seventh highest paid. Even with on the tag, he's going to be making more. He's going to be making more than Tom Brady. Um, I think that that's a that's a nice amount of money for the the resume he's turned in, but it's just little small details to it. You know, I I feel like we just should he just should have been signed a contract by now. Like this is getting ridiculous. Like I've I've never seen nothing like this in all my years of um, rooting for Dallas Cowboys. I've never seen a contract dispute such as this, mm-hmm. especially from the quarterback position. It's twofold because Jerry Jones didn't have no problem paying Tony Romo. You know, um, I think the last contract that he had was like, I think he had like 109 million guaranteed or something like that. Like yeah, something crazy. And um, I think he was the highest paid quarterback at in, in his at the position at that time, I believe. Um, I just I I just don't understand. The, the the logic behind um, Jerry Jones and I don't understand what Dak's logic is because you're a fourth round draft pick and you're gonna make your money so I didn't understand the the logic behind the uh, the fifth year option I don't I don't I don't understand it he wanted four years but he said something about the fifth year um, had to do with some kind of money. Um, that the money didn't add up. He want forty five million in that fifth year. Yeah, that's that's crazy. <laughs> I'm glad you said it, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I I I I don't understand. Like we should have been done had this done by now. Uh, but but uh, he better watch out because Andy Dalton is licking his chops, man, and he's cheaper. That's just that's my opinion, and he's won football games. He he might not be. Uh, 
you know, elite, but he can get the job done with them weapons. I mean, come on, man. Like they just need somebody. They they have uh, you know, bullets out there. They just need somebody to pull the trigger. Yeah. So I agree with you. Um, you know me, we covered this, you know, when we talked about the Cowboys on your show, kind of the Dak contract situation. Um to me though, I, I know people have been saying like, man, he wouldn't have had a problem paying Tony Romo. Um, and that's true, but I think production wise, Tony Romo produced a lot more than Dak did. Uh, I know Dak, like, I know Dak has some, like this past year was a huge production year and, you know, he performed on payday. Basically, you know, he was playing for that check and he performed, but even in that performance, you go eight and eight. Um, I personally have always believed Tony Romo, people think I'm crazy when I say this, but Stack say, you know, check themselves. Uh, Tony Romo was one of the best regular season quarterbacks of all time. Regular season-wise, Tony Romo was just as good as Peyton, just as good as Tom, but what solidifies good from great? What you do in the playoffs. If Tony Romo had a nice playoff resume, I wouldn't say he'd be the GOAT. Like, I'm not saying he'd be better than Tom Brady, but what I'm saying is he would be in that top 10 of all time, top 10 to 12 of all time as a quarterback, but he had no playoff resume. Championships bring greatness. Moments in the playoffs is where you make yourself great. Good regular seasons is good regular seasons. But statistically, Romo was just as good as anybody else on that field. He just didn't have the production in the playoffs or even get to the playoffs enough to produce that greatness. Um, It's not that I don't mind paying Dak. The $33 million a year would be my max. That's my cutoff. The fact that they upped it, to 35 million a year. Five years, 175 million. That's 35 million a year. Um, my cutoff personally as a fan is 33 million. If they want to give 35, that's fine. But is that really that has he proved that he's that guy that he's worth? We've already paid Zeke. We've already paid Jalen Smith. We got Van Der Esch coming up. We paid Amari Cooper. We already let some talent go based off of paying those guys on offense. Um and we got a couple guys that's going to end up having to get paid, even in the near future. Like, CeeDee Lamb's a first-round pick. Four years from now, we might have to pay him. You just start thinking that deep into the future. And we got a lot of players that, that need to be paid and might have significant paydays. Is that worth for the next five years possibly ruining your chance of getting even any decent free agents? You know what I'm saying? So if he wants $45 million that fifth year, I get he's looking at the future. And maybe five years from now with the TV money coming in, you know, that $35 million five years from now won't look that great. Like, oh, yeah, he's, he'll probably fall in line at eighth or ninth highest paid. But the one thing that will happen, that $45 million that fifth year, if you didn't produce and we commit that contract where he we give him a fifth-year player option for $45 million and we want to move on to him, like, I think Mike McCarthy is afraid to commit to him because if we give him that kind of money and we give him that fifth-year player option because he's not going to take it as a team option. He's going to take it as a player option. If we give him that fifth-year player option for that $45 million, even if we want to move on to him, we're not going to be able to get rid of him because once he takes that option, nobody's going to trade for him. If, if he ends up being dumpster juice after this contract or not worth a starting quarterback job, nobody's going to pay $45 million to trade him up and take that 45 off our hands. So, like I said, I just think, I think like a four or five year deal worth $33 million a year is perfect. Maybe a little too high, but that would be my bargaining chip. I, look, 33 is the max. They already upped and went five years, for, so $35 million a year. Um, I personally think that's a little too much. 
But no more than that. Dallas better not give in. Honestly, at this point, let him walk. I don't know if you agree, but I'd rather take Andy Dalton, like you said, the cheaper route, and I'll let him walk. Five years, $175 million, There's no more negotiations. You either take it or you play your franchise tag year out and you gone. That that would be that would be it, bro. I'm not, I can't do it. I, I can't watch this anymore. Dak Prescott lost all his leverage when they got Andy Dalton. And that's a fact. More leverage. Um, like you said, I would have probably let him walk, cut bait, call his bluff. At the end of the day, he wasn't Mike McCarthy's guy. He didn't draft him. He inherited him, so it won't really be nothing for. Mike McCarthy did not to have him. And he's not elite. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He wasn't Brett Favre. You know, these are quarterbacks that um, Mike McCarthy has had in his stable. And he's not that. He's not nowhere near that. In the last year in Green Bay, they heavily relied on Aaron Rodgers. I'm not so sure that Mike McCarthy is going to trust Dak Prescott as much as he trusts Aaron Rodgers. That's my opinion. Yeah. I would be looking for looking for another option. Something. Yeah, yeah. Most definitely. And and you know, quarterbacks, they starting to come a lot more often where these first round quarterbacks are starting not to be bust. So, you know, yeah, we're gonna be probably too good to get that top, you know, like looking in the next year, like that Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. We're gonna be too good for that. You know what I'm saying? If we did that, I feel like we outright tanked. But um, you know, these there's it's guys yeah, yeah. There's guys Definitely. coming later in the first round, second round. There's still that talent where you'd be like, shoot, I ca- I catch him on that little rookie deal. You know what I'm saying? And let Dak walk. At this point, if he doesn't want the five years, $175 million, you got to let him walk. I- I'm sorry. I got to let him walk. Like, I don't want Dak to walk because I do think he could be our franchise quarterback, but not for that price. Like, that you asking for too much. And just imagine if they pay him any more than that, Imagine what Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes going to ask for. Oh, it's going to be out the trash. Like, they're going to look at that, and they're, they're going to – Dak Prescott will hand – he'd be the stepping stone to hand all the leverage to one black quarterbacks because those are the next two to get paid. And then right after that would be Lamar Jackson. But he would pass the leverage on the black quarterbacks because your next three biggest contracts – I mean, your highest-paid guy is Russell Wilson. Dak's possibly going to become the highest-paid guy. And your next three big paydays that you're talking about is Mahomes, Watson, and Jackson. So, I mean, just imagine, I mean, that's already a time in itself. And I think Dak is even considering that. Like, it was year of the black quarterback. Your, your top quarterbacks in the league now are black. Like, yo, it's just so I think he would be that stepping stone. And your five highest paid guys at the quarterback position in the next two to three years could all be black quarterbacks. A day we probably thought we'd never see. So, um, but like I said, but I just I would have to let him go. Um, I can't pay him five years, hundred seventy five million. That's it. I'm walking away. You sign it. I'm walking away from the table. When I come back, it's either signed or we letting you go after this year. Play out your rookie or play out your franchise tag, which he hasn't signed yet. So I'd be like, either you sign the franchise tender or you sign this contract. But it's up to you. I'm done. Like there's no more negotiations. If you like everything but the years, because you want forty five million on that fifth year, this is what you're gonna get. There's no more discussion. And I'd walk away. If I'm Jerry Jones, I'd walk away. And if it ends up hurting you, it hurts you. But, like, do you really want to pay him that much money and can never get up off that contract? Do you want to have that bad contract that you can never get up off of and can never improve your team because you have no money? 
I I I agree um, that this contract could sabotage them. It it definitely uh, could if they can possibly come to some kind of mutual understanding on the years and the money. I'm hoping that before training camp starts, we can put this to bed because this don't need to filter throughout the season. We had a contract dispute last year with Zeke. So it's becoming, you know, to become a soap opera. I want to get back to football talks, not Dak's contract. Yeah, most definitely. I want to hear them them projections for what the Cowboys got coming this season because that's all it's been. It's, it's been the Dak talk. Um, but, you know, on that note, you know what I'm saying, man? This was It was dope to have you on my show, man. I had to share the love. I had to return the love back. You put me on yours, man, and now, you know, I want my audience to listen to you. So, with that being said, uh, go ahead and tell them what all social media, how to find you, what, where you, um, your platforms that your podcast is available on, you know, go ahead and give us all that information. So I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, um, Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. Um, also, um, I'm streaming on iTunes, Spotify, uh, as well as Anchor and um, eight other platforms as well. Um, I just got on iHeart, um, Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. Um, make sure y'all, you know, go check it out. I do have some very, very interesting topics um, these past uh, episodes. Um, here lately this week, I've been kind of just, you know, floating around on, you know, other podcasts, other people's shows and things like that. Um, I don't have anything upcoming yet, but um, I'm in, in the works of getting more guests on there and um, getting more quality content. So if y'all, um, you know, like he said, like if y'all like Up in Flames, uh, you definitely will um be in for a treat with Out of Bounds as well. Yeah, yeah, man. Look, it was a great opportunity, and y'all heard where to follow him at. Trust and believe, man, I wouldn't steer y'all the wrong way, man. Y'all got to check him out. He's somebody I listen to every time. Um, You know what I'm saying? We kind of share each other's content now. You know, when I post something, boom, I I send it his way, and he send it my way. Man, it's dope, man. He got some dope. Uh, I ain't going to give away all his prizes and all his treats that he got for you. Y'all check it out for yourself. But you got some dope guests, man, some people that are connected to some people. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave y'all wondering. Y'all go check them out. Um, I appreciate you for coming on my show, man. I hope we have a lot more in the future, um, especially as a fellow Cowboys fan. You know, come the NFL season, we're going to be talking a lot, uh, whether it's offline or, or on the podcast, which I can see it being both. But I appreciate you for coming on the show, man. And on that note, Murph out.